Here at the Cleocast, we felt bad for taking a two-week break, so we put together a pretty haphazard episode on one of America's big three automakers, General Motors. General Motors has a very interesting history when it comes to uh, something that also interests us, electric vehicles. With the growing change in our climate and the push to have electric vehicles and the popularity of other car companies like Tesla, we would like to look at a short history of electric vehicles through the perspective of what products General Motors put out. Because General Motors has a very interesting history when it comes to that, from the EV1 to the Chevy Spark Electric to the Bolt and to the uh, Apple of RC's eyes, the Chevy Volt. That's Volt with a V. Well, with electric cars, they were actually decently popular in the early 1900s. The electric motor we have today is very similar to the electric motor that was available in the 1900s. Really, once you got the design down of the magnets and electricity moving that little motor, it, there wasn't really any gains to really happen. So when cars were very much a very expensive toy or a interesting thing that you bought when you had a lot of money, the electricity way to take it was actually pretty popular because all you had to do was take a wire and plug it into your car and you didn't really use your car that often and if you lived in a city like New York City and was wealthy you could have an electric car and just have it brought into your little carriage house and charged which is why it was so popular amongst socialites in New York City and across the country. But with the rise of the internal combustion engine, which is extremely difficult to design and get down, but once it's down, you can make efficiency gains. It only takes a, a few minutes to fill up instead of hours to charge. You have a longer range. And once you get the engine down, you can actually build it cheaper if you are a large factory in Detroit. So when Henry Ford really cranks out the Model Ts, or when General Motors, which is now forming, basically creates the competitor brand to Ford Chevrolet, can also crank out cheap, affordable automobiles, and it becomes more of a mass market thing where you're ditching your horses and taking cars, it's much easier for the working man to drive the loud, obnoxious vehicle that's super cheap than it is to buy the electric motor car that can not go very far and is more of a luxury toy. So the concept of the electric car basically dies early in the cradle, uh, but it doesn't you know, go away because the idea will eventually come up because it is a decently good idea. The idea will come up later on in history as we move further and further on to the 1950s, then the 1960s, and then the ideas come back, because in the 70s, there's an oil crisis. And your only options when you had a big gas-guzzling American car was either foreign imports or cars like the Gremlin or the Pacer from American Motor Corporation. So with the oil crisis and environmental concerns, it's safe to point out that every single car having its own internal combustion engine is good from a car perspective because you know you have your better power better range than electric cars at the time but from an environmental or efficiency standpoint it will always be more efficient to produce energy at one centralized location like a power plant than it will be to distribute that amongst many cars 
this is not only because mass generation of electricity is far more efficient from a fuel consumption standpoint than distributed, just because it's easier to regulate, it's easier to create upgrades. You know, you can basically be running at a maximum mainline power generation almost all the time, and there will always be consumption of it. Whereas if you're idling at a stop sign or something like that, you're generating energy without any actual need for it because your engine is still running. Granted, they have some cars nowadays that stop the engine, but the point still stands that there's almost no efficiency lost from a mainline power generation station just in the sense that it'll always be sending out electricity along the wires and there'll always be somebody to use it you know almost none of it will actually go to waste except for along the transmission of the wires or whatnot so centralized power generation is a lot better than distributed power generation from cars but the infrastructure for utilizing it into cars is something that you have to generate you know, you have to build charging stations or whatnot. And I believe there's a saying that goes, the most environmentally friendly infrastructure is the infrastructure you have right now because it's already constructed, it's already built. You know, you don't have to lay more concrete. So that's why it kind of, the momentum never really shifted for decades. Once gas cars became, you know, the standard, Batteries slowly developed, all that kind of stuff kept happening, but there was no real momentum to change the system, to change the status quo, until the oil crisis where people started to realize, wait, this is kind of, this is kind of unsustainable. You know, if, if these OPEC nations simply shut off the flow of our fuel for our vehicles, for our infrastructure, you know, it's, it's very vulnerable. And this is kind of the uh, origin of environmentalism not 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 environmentalism in that sense but just environmentalism in the car industry where they started to kind of look at okay well how can we make these cars more fuel efficient you know how can we make the gas go further and that's the issue with gas cars is as we talked earlier electric engines when they were invented are pretty much the same thing as they are today they already have maximum efficiency because there's almost no moving parts. Whereas an internal combustion engine, there are so many moving parts, all those moving parts lead to efficiency loss. You know, the more individual moving pieces you have, the more waste heat is being generated from those pieces moving. And the more that waste heat is generated, that's just energy being lost to, you know, out to the atmosphere that isn't being used to move your car forward. So there's an upper limit to the amount of efficiency you can gain in an internal combustion engine no matter what you do. So what's the best way to do that? Well, you switch your cars to something that doesn't generate electricity and you generate the electricity from a centralized location where you can be way more efficient. And that brings us to the EV1. Now, there were startups and there were people making DIY electric cars, but really electric cars in a mass market sense is really what we should focus on because anyone with the wherewithal and the knowledge can buy an electric motor and install it into their vehicle or build something, but the majority of the population aren't going to just buy a car and build it or uh, buy it from a unknown manufacturer, which is why electric startups 
up until like the modern age have been relatively hard to get going. So you have to start from a mass market perspective, and that's where the big three really come in. Because there isn't a Tesla, and for every Tesla, you know, Tesla had their own start-up issues, there is a bunch of companies like Coda, who you might not know, but was an electric company, a car company, at around the same time Tesla was starting, who was buying Chinese bodies and putting electric engines into them, and they went defunct. So you think of Tesla, and you think of Tesla's great success, or you look at companies like Rivian, and you're just like, oh, hey, electric cars, why don't you start this earlier? But there's a bunch of tech startups and car company startups that failed. And really, no one in the market is going to trust a car company. Well, okay, they'll trust them now because Rivian has a lot of buy-ins, even though Rivian hasn't really produced a lot of trucks recently. Uh, and they're just coming out now, or companies like Lordstown Motors. But if it's the 1990s, you aren't going to trust any company that's making electric cars if you're a modern just regular consumer who needs to get to work you're gonna but you will trust gm and general motors in 1996 came out with a car called the ev1 it is a weird spaceship looking vehicle but it was an electric all electric car that you could drive around and it was, honestly, for the people who ordered it, a massive hit. And it was a cult-following vehicle that people really enjoyed. It was sold at Buick dealerships. Well, not sold. They're actually all leases, and we'll get back to that later. So they were sold at Buick dealers under lease and was massively popular, and they were pretty decent. They could get around a 55 mile range on regular you know driving whether on highway or on uh, street road 55 would be a good average so if you're in city person where this was a, a pretty popular vehicle that's pretty good especially for the 90s when you are mainly running off lead acid batteries but these vehicles were really only available on the west coast at the start uh, so they were available in Los Angeles, Phoenix, and Tucson, Arizona. And they eventually began to spread out a bit more, but were mainly a West Coast focus. But they did have some pretty famous owners. Francis Ford Coppola owned some, and it was featured on a uh, video game, kind of as a knockoff, because you can't really steal from GM, but it was on Simpsons Hit and Run. So the cultural phenomenon of an electric car is pretty big, and it is really interesting that GM built this. And really, it, it could have been a great start, and if GM kept focusing on it, you know, GM might have been the Tesla before Tesla. But the issue is, is GM didn't focus on it, and they wanted it gone. After a few years of the EV1, they wanted it gone. It was affecting the used car part market. And honestly, GM looked at it and it was looking like it could damage its future reputation and future uh, markability of internal combustion engine cars. So this gets back to the situation with the lease only purchasing that they did. Because it was a lease 
they could be like, all right, return it. No matter what the owner said, GM was like, you're returning it. And they crushed almost all of them, making the EV1 a weird footnote in automotive history in which some people might not even know about it because there aren't any around. GM went through aggressive lengths, legal and financial, in order to get that vehicle back so they could crush it. And that famous owner I mentioned, Francis Ford Coppola, actually put in a lot of effort to hide his EV1, and a lot of people also tried to hide their EV1 from General Motors. It is so hard to find a real existing drivable version of the EV1, and it's a fun little thought experiment if you want to like go down in your own personal automotive conspiracy theory. Uh, just think about why would GM do this? Fun food for thought if you'd like to do that. But, you know, GM would eventually try again with its electric and uh, with some systems that are also interesting and new that were pioneered in the modern car market by Toyota, the hybrid. In the year of our Lord, 2000, Toyota came up with the Prius. It was the first mass production hybrid vehicle. Now, how is a hybrid different than an electric car, you might ask? Well, it has an electric motor, it has an electric battery, but it also has a gasoline engine that can drive the wheels. So, in essence, it's supposed to be a more efficient version of a gasoline car that effectively has an electric car pushed, kicking and screaming into it and forced to work sometimes. It It's like a Frankenstein concept, but it works. I mean, it is really fuel efficient for what it is. You'd figure that dragging around a, a gasoline engine and an electric battery and an electric engine would you know weigh like way too much and kill all your efficiency but it doesn't and that's why the prius kind of exploded in popularity is because here you have a green car green both in color and environmental standards you know it gets like 50 miles per gallon or something like that and also it still uses gasoline you know it's not some weird concept like the ev1 where it's an entirely electric car that we haven't seen for no it's it's just a regular car it started to get a bit of a stigma around it as kind of a, you know, tree hugger car because, you know, it's environmentally friendly. and But it was incredibly popular and it worked. I mean, it paved the way for hybrids we have now. And other car manufacturers started to notice and started to develop their own. And Toyota really started refining the Prius on along the years. They they knew they had a hit, and they kept working on it and improving it. So there started to be kind of an arms race between manufacturers. You know, they realized, okay, this is popular. This We should start probably working on this. So Prius, even though other auto manufacturers, including GM, have had electric cars, and there were electric cars in the 1900s, basically Toyota has just shown that they can stick with an idea, and it became really popular. So the economic model that was really existing at the time was shifting a bit, where people are looking more and more fuel efficiency, and the idea of fuel efficiency was in the back of everyone's head. But with the rise in gas prices after the United States, uh, particularly because we're focusing on the United States uh, for the car market, 
once the United States was getting involved in more foreign wars in the early to mid-2000s, oil prices began to rise and rise and rise. So you have a desire for more fuel-efficient cars, and the classic American SUV or was, you know, looking like a bad idea. So American auto, auto manufacturers, including General Motors, had to catch up on it. So in 2010, there was a weird thing that happened. GM was looking at a bunch of electric cars again and electric concepts. The only issue is they didn't want an EV1. So they were looking at the Volt to make the Volt. But they were also doing a bit of other weird things like making a hybrid Tahoe. Now, people who aren't familiar, the Tahoe is a large V8 seven-row SUV, and they basically took the idea of the Prius and shoved an electric motor and power generation into the Tahoe. Now, that obviously like may help with some gas efficiency, and I do remember uh, in the early 2000s when I was alive, my family owned a Suburban, which was a bigger version of the Tahoe, and around the time of the second Iraq war, uh, it would cost a hundred dollars in two thousand and like six, seven dollars, like two thousand six dollars to fill it up. So that that sucked and in two thousand seven dollars that's a lot of money. But you could buy a hybrid Tahoe but there needs to be a more fuel efficient vehicle from General Motors that can go and fight these basically foreign imports just like the 70s who are beating them in the gas efficiency range so chevy decided to be really weird and do something odd that is not their style and that is the chevy volt so the volt came about as gm realized they needed something to combat the popularity of the prius Originally, it was going to be an electric car, but most of the upper management at GM remembered the EV1 disaster and were like, we don't need to spend another billion dollars on an electric car that we're going to trash after a few months. So instead, the idea was to have an electric car with a gasoline range extender. Now, this is different from a hybrid in that it's an electric car but it just has a gas generator on board. Whereas a hybrid, it's a gasoline car that has an electric motor. In the Volt, it's just an electric car. So it has a 40-mile range on the original concept car, 40-mile range electric, but then when you switch on the gasoline engine to power the battery back up, it gets up to about 350 or so. This is a very novel concept for the time because the Prius is a thing. Like, why would you go away from the Prius model? But GM wanted to do something different for a change, which is very unlike them. So the Volt was premiered at an auto show in 2007 as kind of a concept for their car of the future. And it was a small hatchback kind of like a Chevy Cruze sedan style body, but the back opens up entirely like a hatchback, you know. Uh, it has a decent amount of cargo space. It's decently fast. 
it's just a nice little car, you know. It's it's a green car, but it's got some uh, weird design choices. Now, when this premiered, a lot of people didn't necessarily know what to think about it because, you know, it's not a Prius. Uh, how does this work? Because it had, you know, a charging port. You can plug it into the wall and charge the battery back up because it's an electric car. But you also have a fuel tank that you can fill up. It's just a weird thing to think about. Like, it's trying to be best of both worlds. And it kind of worked. I mean, it, you, once again, with the Prius, you'd think that this would just be a boondoggle disaster because you're trying to shove two completely different systems into one body and make it work. You'd figure it way too much. It wouldn't have any efficiency. But, see, they're starting to use lithium-ion batteries now, not lead-acid like in the EV1. So the battery density is higher and the battery weight is lower. So the combination of these two engine types aren't that heavy and the fuel efficiency is there so they start to make this car around 2008 2009 and it finally debuts into mass production in 2010 which is not necessarily the best year for a novel concept car to debut for general motors now i'm going to get slightly off topic but it i promise you it is related so, through the 90s and early 2000s, there was a problem with mortgage lending, in which you could bunch all of these mortgage loans together, whether they are subprime or prime, and whatever rating they are, you can bunch them all together and then have companies invest in them, which means that people who probably shouldn't really have a half a million dollar mortgage can get a half a million dollar mortgage, and people in Wall Street can invest into that big group of everyone's mortgage being all together into a fund and make money off of the interest and selling shares in that fund. So this is kind of a problem when people start realizing, oh, wait, my completely prime, I have good credit, I have a good mortgage, but the people in Wall Street have basically slammed my mortgage basically together in the world of the financial sphere in with 10,000 idiots that got a bunch of mortgage loans or people who were duped by people selling mortgage loans and promised a American dream with a high interest rate mortgage that really, you know, they shouldn't have had and they received bad advice. Sure, there are people who manipulated the system, but there was also a large amount of people who also, you know, were told, hey, I can buy this house, even though they probably shouldn't have, but they received advice from people selling these mortgages that really, you know, probably should have been doing a better job. But when it came to that, 2008, it all came crashing down and the Great Recession started. Now, that caused a massive drop in sales of everything. People lost their homes, people lost their jobs, and it was almost virtually a worldwide recession. And the problem that happened is GM and a lot of other American automakers and automakers all across the world had a lot of debt and have spent a lot of money designing and doing weird things, particularly like the Volt or, you know, buying Saab, or building Hummers, and now people aren't buying their vehicles anymore. So GM's in a financial problem. So they go, just like a bunch of other large companies, and they're just like, hey, 
federal government, um, we need to file Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And can we get a bailout? So they received $33 billion from the federal government, but the United States government made them, and they got protection from Chapter 11. But what they had to do was get rid of a lot of different things. Now, this has happened before. Chrysler had to do this when Lee Iacocca assumed control of Chrysler, and they had to sell off and give up a bunch of things that Chrysler was doing. And the same thing had to happen to GM. So in 2009, GM had to sell Hummer. GM had to sell Saturn. GM had to sell Saab and had to sell a bunch of different assets. They also had a bunch of different projects and brand reorganizations that happened, which led to the death of pretty popular companies like Pontiac and little subsidiaries like that. Now, this was all to basically save American jobs and basically allow GM to keep on surviving and GM to keep on moving. And GM was basically saying that we are going to be the new General Motors. So in 2009, they came out with only four major brands after having so many brands for so many years. It is now Chevrolet, Cadillac, GMC, and Buick. And they only planned to keep a little under 4,000 of their 6,000 U.S. dealerships. They are basically doing a massive restructuring. Completely because of the bailout basically said they had to. But also, uh, there was things like cash for clunkers, which was buying up, basically allowing the federal government to stimulate new car sales by gobbling up all old used cars because there was a very large used car market. And hey, why would I buy a... Uh, new car from a company that the federal government just put billions of dollars into, like GM, when I can buy a perfectly good used car and do what I need to do with it. When I can buy, you know, a late 90s or uh, early 90s or late 80s vehicle and drive it. So cash for clunkers started and gobbled up a bunch of cars for way above what they should have been valued-wise to get people, the economy stimulated and get people cash in hand so they can go and buy a new car to get them around. And there's also, like we mentioned before, a bit of a uh, lack of oil in 2008 and prices continued to rise uh, both with fuel and then with uh, lack of income from a bunch of people losing their jobs or houses. You needed a fuel-efficient vehicle to get you around and what do you, what do you to do? So this is where GM, who had just gone through this restructuring, is looking like, hey... We have this concept that we completely ignored during working on all of our financial documents and trying to get everything together, which we didn't gut because this was only a concept and a simple engineering design. This wasn't an actual production car. This wasn't a Saturn. The Saturn is gone. No, this was just an idea on paper. And there's people who can't really buy any used cars because they're all getting gobbled up by cash for clunkers, and they need a fuel-efficient car because fuel prices keep rising. And they are finally trying to get their lives back together. Well, why don't we get into the market with a new vehicle called the Volt? 
So the Volt debuts in 2010 and is the best-selling electric car on the market because it is pretty much the only electric car on the market being produced by a major auto manufacturer. Its Voltec system, which is that powertrain I was talking about earlier, is incredibly well designed. It is robust. It has almost no failures, but it is also incredibly expensive to produce. Every Volt costs around $80,000 to manufacture, and they're selling them for about thirty-five dollars to $40,000. So GM, despite being just out of a bailout, is losing money on every single vehicle they sell. Now, the reason they continue to produce and sell them is because of a bunch of tax incentives that they get for producing environmentally friendly cars. Uh, effectively, the... Obama administration was trying to incentivize auto manufacturers to develop cars like the Prius, like the Volt. So they would get a bunch of tax breaks and incentives, and also consumers would get tax breaks and incentives to produce and buy new environmentally friendly cars. So that's the main reason that GM is going forward with this, because not only are they able to rebrand themselves as, no, no, we weren't just bailed out. Look, we have this new futuristic car. And if you watch their Super Bowl advertisements around the time, they were marketing it as something that aliens would come into your garage and steal because that's how futuristic it is. You know, we're not this old dinosaur car company that just went bankrupt. No, we're the future. You know, look at this cool new Volt. But they're losing money on every single one they sell. Um, but needless to say, the car is really popular with consumers that buy it because I mean, it's just a well-made car, you know, it does everything it's advertised to do. It doesn't break down very often and it offers a niche on the market that no other auto manufacturer is meeting at this point. You know, it's electric. You get all the niceties of electric driving, but with the ease of filling up at gas pumps, like gas cars do you know if you can't charge at home you can just fill up at a gas station it's almost the best of both worlds it's just not making the company any money now around this time there is a kind of irrelevant auto manufacturer that would be made fun of on top gear in which their ceo would then attempt to sue top gear that's the last time we'll mention them and the name is tesla and they obviously don't go anywhere the Chevy Volt comes out with its Gen 2 line in 2014. So the Gen 1 is the first generation. It's got about a 40-mile range on electric, about 400-ish miles, both electric and gas total. Uh, it's got a really weird user interface. It's kind of like this white plastic like touchscreen but not buttons it's it's kind of unintuitive but with the gin 2 you've got almost 70 miles range electric almost 450 miles range gas and electric they've completely redesigned the front and the back a little bit it's got a sleek modern interface you know with a regular touchscreen it's got bluetooth it, it's just an altogether really good car and it's absolutely crushing it in terms of sales i mean it's the best selling the best selling electric car on the market it's the best selling hybrid car on the market and it's just popular i mean i like it people liked it it's not necessarily f-150 in terms of sales but in terms of hybrid electric eco cars it's one of the best sellers but this is where we have to get into uh the mo for gm they 
as in General Motors, have developed a new electric car, which is a small, compact car, which is perfect for the American market because small, compact city cars have always been popular in the United States and have never really had financial trouble selling in the United States at all. Hey, just check out Ford. USA website and go check out and see if you can see the Fiesta or the Focus. Huh? So they have this new city compact electric car called the Bolt. And in the ideas and decision makers of GM, they think, well, the Bolt is a perfect replacement for the Volt. Why not take a mid-sized sedan that is one of the best-selling vehicles and was the best-selling electric car up until 2019 where it was surpassed by some car company we will not name its brand and its Model 3, which surpassed it in 2019. Well, why don't we just put out this new vehicle called the Bolt? So the Volt was canceled unceremoniously with no fanfare or no goodbye, and the Bolt was introduced in which it hit the market explosively. And by explosively, I mean the Bolt had a problem where it would catch on fire. So that is GM's automotive decisions when it comes to electric cars. And honestly, it's not going well. They did have a Cadillac version of the Volt called the ELR, in which it famously had a commercial for the Cadillac ELR, in which if you want to see a man be a quite an American douchebag, you can, featuring... Neil McDonough, the actor from Band of Brothers, and honestly, this is uh, made Chevy's situation with both Cadillac and getting an electric car, but also the Volt, not great. Then they dropped the ELR, they dropped the Volt, they brought in the Bolt, but now GM's starting all over again, making Cadillac an electric brand and its electric brand all together and bringing back the electric Hummer. But it seems like GM has a problem in which they have something innovative and they simply just drop it and pretend it didn't happen and don't move on and don't learn from their mistakes and don't continue what they already have for just restarting projects over and over and over and over and over again. But hopefully GM has a future in the world of electric vehicles because that seems to where the world is going. And I wish them the best. Well, thank you guys for tuning in this week to our surprise bonus episode about cars. Um, this is the Cleocast. I've been RC. And I'm Matt. Uh, we'd like to thank you for tuning in this week. We probably won't have an episode next week because we will actually be gone. Once again, this is just the nice little bonus thank you episode because we felt bad for not coming out with something. So remember, we have the new email, uh, Cleo History podcast at gmail.com go ahead and send us any suggestions complaints tips tricks there uh, follow us on twitter at clio history we're gonna come up with a website soon we'll be able to post cool maps cool information uh maybe put our we're gonna put our sources there so it's a lot easier for you guys to follow along with that uh go ahead and we have a youtube channel we upload the episodes there you can subscribe if you want if you prefer watching there uh, this has been an information dump and thanks for tuning in. See you next time.